and graceful and nice and purple wearing Brent Locker sharing with us tonight. that is this on Matt we got we good (sighs) no that's Todd's you know um, Todd saying what he just did about going away to nature and going to a beautiful place where God created uh, to listen to him I want you, before, we, before I even say anything else, I just want you to, to uh, think about one of those places. Think about the most amazing place you have ever seen, um, you know, in nature. I don't know. I mean, I've seen Niagara Falls. I've, wherever it is for you. Just Lake Tahoe. Uh, what, just go to the place that's the most beautiful place you've ever seen in your life. All right? Are you there? Now catch this. Look at all the beauty, the grandeur, how amazing it is. And of that place, God says, this is good. And of you, he says, you are very good. See, you're far and away more glorious than the most glorious thing you've ever laid your eyes on in nature. Far and away. That's what God says. I'm just telling you the truth. So the reason why I have my guitar out here, which I don't usually do, it was convenient that I happened to be playing tonight. So here my guitar is. So two days ago, I believe. I was spending some time at the keyboard worshiping God and I began to sing this song and so I'm going to sing it again. Feel free to sing with me because it's really easy. Prepare the way Prepare the way Prepare the way of the Lord Sing that with me if you want to. Prepare the way. Prepare the way. Prepare the way of the Lord. One more time. Prepare the way. Prepare the way. Prepare the way of the Lord. This is just Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. And as I was singing the song, <laughs> those of you that got my uh, email a few days ago, yesterday or today, I told you that in the midst of this, I had the most simple revelation that Jesus is the king. Because that's one of the lines of the song. He's the king of the earth. But in this, as I was singing this, there was a supernatural encounter where I was just filled with this euphoric joy that Jesus is the king, which is so obvious, but that means the king is in control. The king knows what he's doing, that he's the king over the earth. We have nothing to worry about. And he invited me to lay it all down, whether it was personal things, whether it was concerns for California, Any concerns there? Any concerns for our nation? Any concerns for the world? 
and he says, yeah, I'm the king. So I had this amazing time and was left with this deep, deep joy and peace that comes with it because Jesus is the king. So then I go from there to to a room that we have where I frequently hang out with Jesus. And by the way, um, this message is called Freedom to Fly. And you know, Carla didn't know that in choosing all these freedom songs. Isn't Holy Spirit good? He does this all the time. All the time. Freedom to fly. So I, I'm, I'm in my room. I'm in this quiet place with Jesus. But I'm still filled with this giddiness. I can't stand it. It's like I almost can't calm down. But it's a good not calming down. I'm just filled with so much joy. Like, what do I do? Lord, what do you want me to do? Do you want to sing some more? Do you want me to? I don't know what. And he's st- this is, this is a, so fun. He starts taking me on this journey. A vision. Um, now, but let me explain visions for a minute because I think there are different kinds of visions. It's not like I'm an expert like you. I'm just wanting more and more and more of the Lord and whatever he brings is, you know, just fine and dandy with me because I love it all. Um, but I do believe there are times where the Lord can, I mean, people have had just all out visions where they are, they are out of it in the natural, they're in the spirit, they come back minutes, hours later with this, these amazing stories. I know that happens. This was one that was a little more interactive with the Lord where, where I began to see things and I, I kind of wanted to write them down. And he was like, yeah, go ahead. And so I would write it down and then he would take me further and I'd write it down and take it further. I just want to share it with you because it's really encouraging. So I'm going to just start right where I started that day. I said, I'm feeling so good so filled with Papa's love, so filled with Jesus' love, so filled with Holy Spirit's love. I release every care in the world. I told you, I just sang, you know, Jesus is the king of the earth. It's not mine to solve. Woohoo! Lord, you will give me answers. You will give me solutions when I need them. My desire is simply you. And then here is where it started happening. And um, I, I was closing my eyes for a while. I'd kind of close them and see all this stuff happening. It was so, it was extremely clear, actually. Saw all kinds of details. I didn't even write all the details down, actually. Um, and then I'd open my eyes and write some down and see some more. But this is what I wrote. I am rising up with the wings of an eagle. Being lifted effortlessly higher by the wind of your spirit beneath my wings. Now I'm going to stop really quick because I wanted to read, I'll come back to this real quick. I wanted to read from Isaiah 40 about prepare the way. This, I wasn't thinking about this scripture in the moment that I was singing the song or even when I uh, had this vision. But later on, I, I, the Lord took me to this. So this is from Isaiah 40, various verses within it. Uh, but right now, starting in verse three, it says, prepare the way, a voice cries, prepare in the desert a way for Yahweh. Make a straight highway for our God across the wastelands. Let every valley be filled in. Let every mountain and hill be leveled. Every cliff become a plateau. Every, um, I'm sorry, every escarpment, a a plain. Then the glory of Yahweh will be revealed and all humanity will see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Verse 10, here is the Lord Yahweh coming with power. See, he's coming with power. We know he's here, but I'm telling you, he's still coming, and he's coming with power. His arm maintains his authority. That means, you know what that means? That means his authority is never in question. (laughs) See, this is really good news. This, this ought to bring a ton of joy to you. Sometimes we read this with a lot of seriousness, which it actually um, is appropriate. But there are times where you can read this and just laugh because it's so good. His reward is with him. 
and his prize precedes him. He is like a shepherd feeding his flock, gathering lambs in his arms, holding them against his breast, and leading to their rest the mother ewes. Now, skipping over to verse 25. The Lord's, this is him trying to calm us down. Okay, if, we're, if you're anxious about anything. He says, to whom can you compare me? Who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift your eyes and look. Get, get past the circumstances, get past the world's chaos and look at the Lord. He who created these things leads out their army in order, summoning each of them by name. So mighty is his power, so great is his strength, that not one of them fails to answer. You think he's got things in control? How can you say, Jacob, how can you repeat, Israel, my way is hidden from Yahweh, my rights are ignored by God? You ever feel that? God, where are you? Do you notice me? He says, how can you say that? You need to know who I am. Did you not know? He's going to remind us of a few things here. Hey, didn't you know? Have you not heard? Yahweh is the everlasting God. He created the remotest parts of the earth. He does not grow tired or weary. His understanding is beyond fathoming. He gives strength to the weary. He strengthens the powerless. Any powerless ones in this room? I'll raise my hand. I know we got power in the Lord, but you know what I mean. Apart from him. Youths grow tired and weary. The young stumble and fall. But those who hope in Yahweh will regain their strength. Those who wait on him, those who are, you've heard me teach on this before, entwined, braided with the Lord. So there's an active knitting your heart with his heart. That's where your strength comes from. They will sprout wings like eagles. Though they run, they will not grow weary. Though they walk, they will never tire. Sprout wings of eagles. Now that's interesting. So, I am rising up with the wings of an eagle. This was right after he took all the cares away, said, I'm the king of the earth. Next thing, he takes me into this vision, and all of a sudden, I have not only the wings of an eagle, but I am an eagle. And the the wind, I start to feel the wind. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me just read it. Being lifted effortlessly higher by the wind of your spirit, Beneath my wings, the air is clear. There are no worries up here. There are no predators. I sense the direction of the wind. I adjust my wings ever so slightly to use the power of the wind to lift me higher still. I sail around a mountain and there I spot a shepherd but he's up so high on the mountain uh, tending to some sheep. He turns and he looks right at me as I'm flying. He smiles and he gives me the thumbs up with one hand while the other hand is still holding his staff. And as I continue to soar with the wind, his smile becomes a full-throated laugh. He approves of me and he is enjoying me, enjoying my freedom. I continue on, and soon I fly over the crystal blue sea. There are no limits to where and how far I can go. I'm not tired in the least bit. I'm, I'm literally feeling this as I'm, as I'm soaring. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Soaring over the sea, and I'm not getting tired at all, and I'm going and going and going. No drudgery, no exhaustion, just exhilaration and peace, as the sun-drenched peaks of water swiftly pass below me. Where do I want to go? I sense the Lord asking. Well, I want to go to you. I can travel anywhere, but my destination is you. And suddenly, I'm flying right towards my Savior. 
I'll just stop and explain it for a minute because he's standing on an island that is, that is lit up with this white, yellow uh, glow. And there he is, he's standing, but he's got this, he's got a leather, you know, I don't know what those are called, around his arm for me to land right on him. I effortlessly swooped down to him, landing with talons on his, on his arm, on the leather. This island, though, was not one surrounded by water. Instead, it was high up in the air with, a, with his castle in the distance. Behind, uh, with his castle, I'm sorry, with his castle in the distance behind, Jesus strokes my head and tells me, you're doing so good. Wasn't that fun? You can come and you can land here anytime you want to when you need my assurance. But I'm not only here holding you and stroking you, but I am, I am the shepherd you passed on the mountain and I am in you wherever you go. But I choose to stay perched on Jesus for the time being. He's happy with my choice. He says, Okay, then, let me show you something. Now, you have to understand, this was, a, this was an unfolding journey, a vision, and I literally did not know what was coming next each time I'm writing this. I just went that far, wrote it down. So when he says, let me show you something, I really had no idea yet what he was going to show me. It's the coolest thing. So he turns around and walks with me, still on his arm, towards his castle. As we draw closer... I start to see the attendants all around his castle, the outside. Animals, angels, and saints, all intermingled, all exuberantly joyful, and all now focusing their full attention on Jesus' approach. Somehow, so it's the coolest thing, somehow Jesus' gaze affirms and engages with each and every one of them, which causes their faces to beam all the brighter still, knowing that they are important to him, they are honored and they are celebrated by him. But we actually didn't go inside. We walked around the mansion, around the outside of the mansion. But I, I wrote, I have the sense we will go in the mansion another time. And he takes me to a garden in the back. And there he shows me a small tree. Somehow I am instantly aware that I am that tree as well as the eagle on his arm. He lets me know how meticulously, how tenderly he cares for that tree. He shows me the fine detail on each leaf as it passes between his thumb and his forefinger. He shows me the fruits of many kinds that are on this tree, and he has me smell the exotic fragrance of each. He says, I love this tree. It's my favorite one in my garden. And somehow I know it's true. Then he steps back and he sweeps his arm to gesture around him. And these, he says, are my other favorites. And as far as my eyes can see, similar trees, billions of them, each one cared for with equal affection and intentionality. Not one overlooked. And this was fascinating. Not one of them was even sick or dying. Because Jesus only sees what the Father has lovingly fashioned. We're talking about each one of you. You know that, right? Jesus looks back at me and he says, Never doubt my love for you. My grounds will be filled with fully mature trees bearing all kinds of amazing fruit, and I will grow each tree personally with my love. Not one will be lost. Not one will fail to grow. I look straight into his eyes, and I know that he means it. And then he says, now I will show you exactly what I see. And instantly, every single tree is monstrous in size, perfect in dimension, stunning in color and fragrance each one different, yet painting a landscape together that is breathtaking. 
Jesus laughs heartily and he says, these are my oaks of righteousness. <laughs> That's Isaiah 61.3. Each and every one, he says, displaying my glory. Aren't they beautiful? Aren't they stunning? They are perfect and they're mine. And that was the end of, the, of that vision. I'm, you know what? I'm 100% certain I can go back there whenever I want, whenever I want to calm my heart from everything going on, I can go right back there. He really meant it. I can perch there anytime I want. I'm going to go into that mansion another time, so that'll be a different chapter. This is Isaiah 61.3 in the Common English Bible. Jesus will give them a crown of beauty in place of mourning, a mantle of praise in place of discouragement. They will be called oaks of righteousness planted by the Lord to glorify himself. Just take that in for a minute. Sometimes we use way too many words. Just take it in. You're his glory. (laughs) So what's his glory? Well, Moses said, show me your glory. What, What did God do? He showed him his goodness. He showed him his character, his kindness, his faithful love. Guess what? That's deposited in each one of you. There's, he's deposited a portion of himself in each one of you. Which is why wherever you go, whether you feel very spiritual or not, you're actually, in one way or another, displaying his glory. It's amazing. Oaks of righteousness... Some of you may not feel very righteous. I have excellent news for you. It's not your righteousness at all. It's Christ's righteousness in you. It's his goodness through and through. It's the reason why you can run into your father's arms, into his kingdom. It's why you get to go places like I went anytime you want. And it is not subject to, your, to uh, your actions, to what you do, to how good you think you are. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with that before the foundation of the earth. He picked you to be his. And he said, I'm gonna rescue you. All of the Old Testament is leading up to Jesus. It, anything you read in the Old Testament, it's leading up to Jesus. It's people crying out, God, oh, when, oh, when, oh, when, God, because we, we can't seem to do what you ask us to do. Everything's pointing to Jesus. Jesus arrives on the scene. Of course, the book of Revelation tells us he was actually slain before the foundation of the earth. There's the lamb slain before God even created any of this. That's crazy. It's because God's outside of time and all of this was a setup. We're living in a grand setup. Do you know that? We really are. I'm telling you, the pressure's off. We put way too much pressure on ourselves. Instead, God says, receive what I had planned before the foundation of the earth. Receive my righteousness in your place, Christ's righteousness for you. That's the gospel. His life for your life. What a deal. What a deal. All we are left to do is to say yes. Yes. Yes, Lord, I've tried really hard. I've made a huge mess of things. I'm really weak. I need you. See, God knows you need a savior. He knows you need a savior. He never had this planned out for you to earn your way to heaven. Forget about it. Just forget that nonsense right now. Run to the one who loves you. 
Run to the one who invites you to fly. Run into your freedom. We said it tonight in worship. Your freedom is knowing the truth of what Christ has done for you. That is your freedom. Apart from that, you are in bondage. Even if you call yourself a Christian, if you're trying really hard to do on your own what Christ did for you, you are in bondage. You'll be miserable. You'll be really tired. You'll be exhausted. You're going to bite other people's heads off. You're going to judge people a whole lot more. And the only way out of that is to choose to agree with what Christ has done for you. You choose to get off the performance treadmill right now. And you say, Jesus, you performed perfectly for me. It's so simple. I mean, the choice is so simple. Who wouldn't want that? I'm I'm honestly, you know, Karen was talking earlier about God lifting the veil. And, And sometimes you wonder why so many people out there don't, haven't given their lives to Jesus yet. Well, part of it is because I don't think we've explained the gospel really well. We've, we've told them how much God hates them sometimes. Christians are out there, you know, at different places. You know, just recently, the gay pride parade in, in uh, San Francisco. And you always have well-meaning, well-intentioned Christians there who have these huge placards telling them all that they're going to go to hell. I, wa- I wonder how, just how many people that's winning. I just, I just don't see a whole lot of, a sea of people around them, you know, getting on their knees and repenting and saying, oh, I see the light now. What people don't know is that there's a father who is wildly, passionately in love with them. That's what they don't know. What people think is that it all is up to them. And when they start failing, which every one of us in this room has done that, when you start failing and you think it's all up to you and you try harder still and you fail some more and so you try harder still and you fail some more, at some point you give up. And you say, well, if that's what Christianity is, I'm I'm done with that. Do you know how many people we minister to in in places like, um, you know, we've gone to psychic fairs. We go to places where people are hungry for spiritual things. They're, They're searching. You know how many of those people have left the church? A huge percentage. A huge percentage of the people we minister to in places like psychic fairs, and, I, and that's just one example, they're people who were in the church, but they didn't hear the good news. They heard the not-so-good news. They heard about a God who was really angry and, and a God they couldn't seem to please no matter how hard they tried. And they said, well, I know people like that in my life, and I don't need more of that, so I'm out of here. But we got a different message. We got a really different message. You know what? I don't know where I am at all because I've just been talking to you for a while. (laughs) This is what I want to do. I want to read to you something. Now I want to tell you, again, if you you received my email this morning, you you already know this, but... um, Suzanne and I got to visit Russ and Susan in the hospital. Um, Susan's here. We love you. And we're going to take a minute to pray for Russ in, in just a second. Uh, Russ, most of you know, but I know there's a few of you here um, new tonight. One of the elders in our church at about six weeks ago just got really sick, really suddenly. And... Um, uh, as a result, has been in, in ICU for the last six weeks. Um, you know, it was very serious for, for many weeks. And uh, he has definitely started to turn a corner. Um, because of a ventilator still down his throat, he's still not able to talk. But he can, uh, when we visited him, he was writing things down. He was joking with us. Um, we it, it was hilarious. I was thinking, I was actually thinking for us, this must be... Uh, so hard for him because, you know, he's always got a pun or something just like that, you know? And so for him to write it down, you know, there's like a 60-second lag time there to try to, anyway. Because <laughs> it's all working. He, is, he was 100% with us. Let's stop and pray for him, and then I'm going to tell you something, uh, read something to you. Uh, so, Father, we thank you for 
your um, deep, deep love for Russ and, and for Susan and for this whole family. We thank you, God, for touching Russ right where he is. We thank you for supernatural, a supernatural miracle that is in process. We thank you for releasing your spirit, for releasing angels, for releasing your healing in that room and in Russ's body. Thank you, Father, for um, just a, a, a super speeded up recovery. We declare strength to his lungs. He will breathe without a ventilator. Uh, we're, just saying you, uh, we're just saying that, that, that you don't need that rest because the Lord's taking care of that. We're declaring strength to your body, supernatural recovery in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. So we're visiting with them. And, um, and, and one of the things that Russ writes down um, is that they uh, uh, telling me about a book that's been really important to him um, by Graham Cook. Do you remember the name of it? I didn't bring it with me. Susan, do you remember the name of the Graham Cook's book? Yeah, it's a devotional book, and unfortunately, I didn't write it down, which I want to because of the tape. But if I uh, okay, if we come up with it, I'll say it later. Um, but he writes, oh, maybe it's right here. Nope. There's one about the, I think it's the third, fourth, or fifth one in the book. It's a devotional each day. It says, turn weakness into joyful vulnerability. So if you're looking for this later, that's what you want to do is find that book that has the title, Turn Weakness into Joyful Vulnerability. I want to read this to you because I feel like uh, Russ was saying that he and Susan, they've just been understanding their weakness in a way that they never knew before. You know, because their life was going along in a certain direction and suddenly, seemingly, all control is gone. They didn't do anything wrong. They didn't, you know, there was nothing. Um, it, just, it just happened. The body of Christ has come around them. It's been awesome to see how God's used all this, uh, to see all the body loving them. But suddenly their lives were changed and, and they were feeling very out of control, very, very weak. It has to be God. So Russ was pointing this to me and said, this is, he's been just soaking and soaking and soaking over this. So consider this um, a message to you from Russ tonight, <laughs> who I hope in a very short time I told him that anytime he comes, we'll just push everything aside. He can come up and, and share. So this is what Graham Cook writes. He says, there is a strength in weakness that only God can bring. He has a way of investing himself into our lowest place to release an empowerment that changes a deficit into an advantage. See, only God can do this. He is so supremely confident in his own ability. Where's his confidence? himself isn't this isn't this great he's he's not confident in your ability to get yourself out of messes and he's not even expecting that he is confident supremely confident in his own ability that he can easily afford to choose the weakest elements possible from humanity <laughs> see well to in order to represent i'm sorry the weakest uh, elements possible from humanity to represent himself. He is joyously accomplished in developing the kinds of people who have been written off by everyone else. A lot of times in, in the past, we've called this gathering fondly with love, you know, like the island of misfit toys. <laughs> you know, from... Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Not because you're weird or anything. You're extremely lovable. But it's a gathering of people that say, I don't know where I fit. And all of a sudden they come in their love for who they are. They say, oh, that's where I want to be. I'm one of those toys, okay. I'm with you. <laughs> His talent, God's talent, is doing everything with nothing. 
and it's masterful. <laughs> he turns our potential into something actual. How many times have you heard, you know, what's the potential inside of you? I'd love to use it all. And God says, how about I do it for you? I'll get you there. He is never phased or diminished by the inabilities of people. But he takes great delight in empowering them to be what they could not possibly become by their own efforts. It's a great definition of grace right there. His delight in this process is so palpable. See, sometimes when you think of weakness, and you think of your weakest times, a lot of times those are the times we're feeling the worst about ourselves. We're feeling a lot of times condemned, um, that we greatly disappointed God. We get into a really bad place. Check this out. His delight in this process is so palpable that it trans to our own hearts also. See, he, he actually takes joy in helping us. He takes great joy in helping us. <laughs> we, keep, we keep trying to live our lives in a way where he doesn't need to help us so that he feels good about us. I'm, I'm just saying. And we're missing the whole program. <laughs> How can broken people be so happy? <laughs> because we have an amazing God. When faced with a peculiar limitation, Paul wanted God to remove it. Any of you want God to take you out of situations? Any of you prayed for that? This is always our prime response. To anything bigger than we can handle. Take it away from me, we pray. Of course, that happens on occasion because the Lord is our deliverer. Sometimes he sets us free from circumstances and other times he emancipates us from within the situation. The former is a discharge from the incident itself. The latter is a desire within him, within God, to demonstrate who he is for us in the event we must face. We seldom mature in God's presence by just being set free from everything. You could say it now, darn, darn, I thought he would take me out of everything uncomfortable. Any of you ever grow through hard times? Anyone? Like more than good times? Yeah, me too. We really need to learn how to work out our salvation in awe and delight because he loves to work in us for his own good pleasure. That's Philippians 10. So, sorry, chapter 2, verse 10 to 13. Maturity in spiritual terms is about becoming Christ-like. And we know in Ephesians 4, do we not, that our maturity is being more and more brought into the image of him in, in love a unity in love, all together, brought together in love. That is, that is the maturity of Christ. There is no possibility in this happening if we are unwilling to face adversity and pass our tests. Maturity is concerned with developing the same attitude and approach to life that characterized Jesus in his walk with the Father. David was a man after God's own heart because he pursued intimacy as a way of life. 
Caleb was a man of a different spirit because he received God's majesty and pursued it in every conflict. All of the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11 did exploits in the kingdom because they discovered who God was for them in the circumstances they faced. They all learned how to draw strength in their moments of weakness. So just for a minute, stop and think. And I know this isn't going to take a lot of thinking for most of us right here, but where have you been weak? I'm not even saying where have you felt weak, because that's true too, but where have you been weak? Now the more important question, see that's kind of usually where we leave it. You know, where am I failing God? The next question is much more importantly, who is God for you in that place? Is he your deliverer? Is he your strength? Is he your righteousness? Is he your peace? Your joy? Your hope? Here's the problem. As we've given our weaknesses, we've given uh, sin way too much power. We see it as this big thing that we cannot seem to overcome because we're not looking at the bigness of our God. We're still trying to figure it out for him. We're still trying to say, God, how many, have you ever had conversations like this? God, I don't know why you're putting up with me. I can't believe I'm here again. Man. Okay, God. Okay, God. Okay, God. Help me figure this out. Let's see. Okay, this time, this time I'll just, I'll just do something totally different. This time I, I just won't go there. I won't. Ever had conversations like that? Now, please understand, the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom. I understand that. He gives us wisdom. There are actions we have to take in life not to go to bad places. I totally get that. And I'm not, I'm not uh, suggesting that we don't use the wisdom the Lord's given us. What I am saying is we're still making this about ourselves yeah. instead of about him. So go back to that place. If you got a place even now, a place of weakness, a place where uh, just something you keep stumbling over, instead of you know, promising God you won't do it again or go there again or whatever, instead say, God, who are you for me in this place? My God who loves to show up for me. My God who has given his power to me who has promised me freedom, who has actually said in Romans 6 that sin has no power over me. So God, show me your strength in my weakness. Be my strength in that weakest place. And he says, so glad you asked. It's what I love to do. So I'm going to keep reading, and it is from the book, Radical Perceptions, by Graham Cook. Radical Perceptions is the name of the book. Heroes are people who have been sharply tested. They have trusted God when others around them ran away. You know what, I've seen, you look at people like... I mean, we always kind of pick the same ones because of the circles we're in, but sorry, that's who I'm thinking of right now. But you look at someone like Heidi and Roland Baker. You look at Bill and Benny Johnson, um, Georgian and Winnie Banoff. 
I could start naming a bunch of names in this room as well. And um, they're amazing people. They have a depth of, of character. They have a depth of relationship with the Lord, a deep love. And if you're thinking that somehow they don't go through any crap in their lives, any hard times, you are sadly mistaken. The difference is it doesn't bring them down. The difference is somehow they've got so rooted in who they are in Christ, in, in uh, the certainty of what God has accomplished, Christ has finished for them, that they, that they seemingly rise above it all. And in actuality, that's exactly what's happening. Can any of us get caught up in all this mire? Sure we can. Anytime we take our eyes off the Lord. Anytime we start looking back on ourselves, thinking that we're the answer, we're, we're, that's when we start getting all swirled in there, caught up again. But it says, heroes are people who have been sharply tested. They have trusted God when others around them ran away. Overcoming is an attitude. Caleb had it in abundance when most of his fellow spies were dominated by what they had seen. Joshua and Caleb faced down the angry mob and their frightened teammates. They spoke out of their place of confidence in the majesty of God. But cowards won the day. Thus was the moment was the moment where Israel lost its inheritance. I would say temporarily. The stakes we are playing for are high. The tests are designed to produce men and women who can hold high office in the spiritual affairs of a nation. Okay, I'm going to read that one again. I'm just waiting to see if that one sunk in. The stakes we are playing for are high. Folks, please understand. Friends, please understand. This, we're too much making this about each one of us about ourselves. How am I doing? What's, what's the judgment today? Where do I rate myself on a scale today? You can stay there the rest of your life and feel really insignificant, inferior, and like you're uh, displeasing God all the time. Because all of your focus is on yourself. Now believe me, God's gaze is on you all the time. So it is about you. Don't, don't get me wrong. He loves you. He adores you. But he says, no, I already did what I'm doing in you. I already made you right with me through Christ. Let's get on to sharing my glory with the world. Remember we started with that earlier? The glory of the Lord is in you. He says, just go be the you that I made out there. Let's keep going. The tests are designed to produce men and women who can hold high office in the spiritual affairs of a nation. More and more, Christians are actually influencing national leaders, kings. The, the, the pastor that was here, Pastor Nabil, remember was here about a half, yeah, three months ago, four months ago, lives in Jordan. He's actually, God gave him the favor to speak the, to the Jordanian prince twice he's already been in his mansion twice that's crazy you're not going to be in the mansions of kings if you're still struggling with how you feel about yourself if you're still if your focus is totally on yourself and you think you're a disappointment to God you will not have the confidence to go and do what he's calling you to do See, Jesus has made you a beautiful bride. Ephesians chapter five tells us in the message, it says that, that he, he pours over us with his words to make us beautiful. He makes us beautiful with his words. He, see, if, he, if God's putting you down, if he's slamming you down, some of you think that's the way God feels about you. You know what? That, if he's slamming you down, he's going down with you because he's one with you. He doesn't want you down here. So he's going to affirm you and build you up and tell you who you are over and over and over again until you get it. You're beautiful. You're righteous, which means you are right with him. How can that be? Oh, Jesus paid for that. Get over it. Get used to it. Start moving ahead 
with who you are and let your glory emanate the glory of God in you. That's, that's not a prideful statement. That is not a prideful statement to let your glory emanate. You know it's God's glory in you. And he puts you on this earth for that purpose. <laughs> yeah. All right. I think we're getting close. We're getting close here. All right, here we go. We must learn how to turn our weakness into a joyful vulnerability. See, I just gave them reason to laugh. They like that. (laughs) Turn our weakness into a joyful vulnerability to the sovereignty and supremacy of God. Okay, here's a wild statement. Does not the scriptures tell us to be thankful in all things? Is that not in the Bible? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Be thankful in all things? When's the last time you were thankful when you were really, really weak? How could you be thankful when you're really weak? Here's exactly how. We make our weakness an offering to his majesty. It is a joyous transaction, a delightful interaction. We can bow to his grace because its power alone can meet every need we imagine. Power is stimulated by the elated surrender of our fragility. Power is stimulated by the elated surrender of our fragility. What that means is when you stop trying to pretend to God that everything's going great, and instead you say, wow, God, I'm really weak. He says, oh, I got something I could do about that. See, if we're playing games and we're trying to be strong for God, then there is no place for weakness, really. Especially if our theology is about being good enough to please God. You've heard me say this a million times. He loves you because you're his. Period. He loves you because he loves you. Because he loves you. Now we're getting back to Graham Cook. Because he loves you Because he loves you. Because that's just the way it is. Not because you were really strong today. Or not because he doesn't love you any less if you were really weak. When we are weak, then we can know strength. Maturity is the capacity to be moved from an excessive awareness of weakness to an intensified appreciation of the majesty of God. I'm just going to read that. I'm skipping down to the last line here. Turning weakness into a joyful vulnerability to the majesty of Jesus will take us into a dimension of kingdom life that will empower us to experience heaven on earth in the midst of our circumstances. So thanks, Graham, and thanks, Russ, for bringing this to our attention. You know, it's interesting... Because Todd earlier, there's Todd, there's Todd. Hi, Karina. Because Todd earlier had us all, you know, like, go find someone and say something good to him, right? Carla, our worship leader, did not know I was talking about the freedom to fly. And all of her songs, well, most of them had a 
big freedom theme. Todd didn't know what I was going to do tonight, but we've already done some of it. Because I really sensed from the Lord tonight that he wanted us to encourage each other. See, we're, we, we are our own worst critics. And we're really good at beating ourselves up. And sometimes we even think that's spiritual. It is perfectly right to ask the Holy Spirit to show you areas that he wants to work on. I'm not suggesting we don't do that. But when he does show you areas, it's not for you to get down on yourself. It's not for you to tell him that you'll turn it around for him. All he's showing you is so that you'll invite him into that place. So you say, Lord, thank you for showing me that. What would you like to do about it? How can you help me in that area? Very different, right? So really what we need is a ton of encouragement. A ton of encouragement. One of the things we have practiced in this place, and I'm, I'm bringing it up again because it's, it's, it's kind of along the lines of our core values here. It's, it's what we bring when we go out to the streets with us, and that is encouraging words. Out on the streets, we've even called it free encouraging words. We rarely run across anybody who doesn't want to be encouraged. People need it desperately. Every one of you in this room, you need it desperately. But you also need to learn how to give encouragement. Um, so this is what I want to ask you to do. You know, sometimes we used to do a lot more of this when we were a lot smaller. There was 30 of us, 50 of us in a room. And, you know, somehow as it gets larger, I, I'm aware that, you know, people are kind of coming in who aren't used to our culture. And uh, uh, maybe they're sitting at the back going, I don't know about this. I don't know about this guy, but something about this seems like maybe it's right. So I'll hang out and listen for a while. Um, and so because the, the, because the landscape has changed some, we don't always stop and do some of these things of really interacting with each other more. But tonight with Todd and myself, we're going to do it again. Here, a couple, couple of things right now, if you're thinking, oh no, I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't want to do this. I release you from that in Jesus' name because you are an encourager. It's really simple to encourage. I'm not saying that you have to have great prophetic insight right now and see all of what heaven is seeing for somebody. All I'm saying is learn to encourage. It's really easy, actually. And and you're going to find out. This is what's going to happen is in just a minute as we do this, is that you're going to see the whole atmosphere of the room is going to raise up. Some of you, if you want to, if you're with a, a spouse, a friend, you're more than welcome to encourage each other because I'm going to ask you to pair off in twos in just a minute. If you'd rather not, you want to go over to somebody else, that's cool. But this is what we're going to do. In fact, some of you spouses, it'd probably be a really good thing because you could say really good things to each other right now <laughs> and go, wow, that was easy. So in just a minute, I'm only going to give you about 30 seconds each, not a long time. But this is what I want you to do. I want you to encourage them. First of all, I'm going to tell you what encouragement's not, okay? Um, (laughs) Do not tell them about an area of sin in their life that you think you might spot. Do not say anything about the enemy's attempts to hurt them. That's not encouraging. There's a lot of other things I could tell you not to say, but I think you get the idea. Sometimes when I tell people encourage, and anyway, they get into a mode. Into, sometimes we get into a religious mode, and uh, we're trying to f- fix somebody. I'm not asking you to fix anybody. I'm just asking you to encourage them. Uh, because we're in God's country, Right? We are Christ's ambassadors, are we not? That means you've been given full permission to take him with you wherever you go and deposit his goodness to people. So, you could tell them things like, if you you see something, you can tell them, well, you can tell them what Jesus really thinks about them. I just gave you a bunch of words to use tonight, didn't I? You're thinking really hard, oh shoot, this is a test. (laughs) Jesus really loves you. You're amazing. God thinks you're amazing. All right? 
um, you could tell them God's good plans for their future. You don't have to know what those plans are. Do you know when we use, sometimes we use scripture so much, like Jeremiah 29, 11, right? Which says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. Some of you know that scripture so well that you're thinking, well, you know, okay, well, it's that word again, okay? It's that scripture again, okay? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Yeah, miss the point because every, if you will just share with your heart, when we're out on the streets sharing with people, do you know that God has an amazing destiny for your life? They go, really? Is that true? Oh, yeah. I, did I just, t- did I tell them anything specific about their future? No, I did not. The Lord can do that. There's times when he gives you more. I'm not saying, I'm trying to reduce this right now to encouraging, not necessarily prophetic words. I know some of you will probably move right into that. That's okay, as long as it's encouraging. Um, You could tell them things like, they're the apple of God's eye. You're the apple of God's eye. You're an oak of righteousness. Wow. Isn't that encouraging? I'm only giving you 30 seconds, so it's not like you're gonna have to think of this long litany of things, okay? I'm just trying to get you in the habit of taking the glory that's in you, the goodness of God in you, and giving it away. I'm trying to show you how easy it is because just like Karen shared earlier, you can go anywhere, Walmart, Sears, you know, Safeway, anywhere, a park, your workplace, and you can encourage people all the time. You don't have to use the name of Jesus. There are times when that's gonna be really appropriate. There are times when it won't. Believe it or not, it still counts. You still release the glory of God. You still release the love and the goodness of God. Even if you didn't say anything about the Lord. You are transforming the earth by doing that. You are a world changer. See, I, can, I, I could tell you for a long time who you are. But I'm going to let you do it to each other. Let, let's not make this a... a, a okay, if, if 50 people run out that door, I know I've, I've lost you. 30 seconds each is all I ask. Just one can a day, isn't that? That's all I ask. Oh, wait, never mind. That was a commercial. Okay, a can a week. Maybe that's what it was. If you're next to somebody, great. If you're not, find someone really quick. Introduce yourselves if you don't know each other. And in about 30 seconds, I'm going to say go. And you get 30 seconds for one of you. Just choose who's going to go first. One of you gets to speak encouragement to the other. Come on, everybody participates. This is group participation day. Yeah, go find someone if you want to. That's cool. All right. Now, some of you have already started, which is cool. But if you have not, please find someone and go ahead and start. One of you start encouraging the other starting now. Go ahead and go. Tell them how amazing they are. Tell them they rock. Tell them they're a world changer. (laughs) Oh. All right, now I got to try to get you back. Just real quick, let me just ask you a question. Was that was that good? Was that okay? If we had five minutes to do that, it'd be, it'd be that much better. And believe me, I'm, I'm just wrapping this up. You can go right back to where you were. If you want to tell them more fun things, more good things, I encourage you to do it. But listen here, this has to be a way of life. This is a way of life. You are Christ's ambassador. He came to the earth to give us good news. And we are good news bringers to people, all right? So I'm going to read something Jesus said. Just going to end with this. John chapter 10. Where Jesus says, verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. He didn't say you will know him. 
He said, you do know him. He's saying, you know me. Will you know him more and more? Sure you will, but you know him. And my own, I'm sorry, and they, they know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. What? How many of you in this room have said, gosh, I just don't feel close enough to God and I wish I were like so-and-so that, you know, seems to have this close relationship? Well, Jesus has something to tell you. He says, you know me in the same way that my Father knows me and I know him. How could that be? You have the, because you have the Holy Spirit living in you, a deposit inside of you. It's there. That thing that you're searching for, most of you in this room, I bet if you had a prayer, it would be, I, I want to know God more. I want to be closer. I want to be more intimate. Yes, yes, and yes to those prayers. And God says, don't look out there. I'm right here. You already know me. Let's, let's take it from there. See, our, if we don't think we know him, if we think he's out there distant somewhere, we've already, that's, that's already, we already feel cut off because we're not agreeing with the truth. He's right here. He says, you know me. I know you. And then, and then in verse uh, 16, end of 16, he says, they will listen to my voice. Oh, you know what? Because of Karen's word earlier about the Jews, let me just read this to you. I lay down my life for the sheep, and there are other sheep I have that are not of this fold. He's actually talking about Gentiles. So first of all, he was talking about Jews because Jesus came to save the lost sheep of Israel. That was his primary mandate. Then he says, there are other sheep I have. Okay. I know some of you in here are Jewish, so you get to bat twice, okay? All right. <laughs> that are not of this fold, I must, I must lead these too. They too will listen to my voice. Now check this out, and we're, we're finishing right here, and there will be only one flock and one shepherd. Jew and Gentile together, one flock, one shepherd. His name is Jesus. And so, Lord, thank you for this encouragement tonight. Thank you that we belong to you. Thank you that we are free to fly. Thank you that we are loved and cherished and wanted. Thank you that we are your ambassadors. We get to give the glory away, your goodness, your love, your kindness everywhere we go. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, this is just one of those nights where I really want you to encourage each other. So, please, go back to the conversations you were having. Find people to encourage. Pray for each other. Bless each other. And I bless you. Amen.